0: I am Victor Milligan
1: and I'm Jennifer Isabella,
0: your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. And joining us today, are Senior Vice President of Research, Sharon Lever and Vice President and Principal Analyst, Craig LeClaire, discuss a very different kind of future for IT. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great to be here. So before we talk about the future, let's talk about the present. Where are we in how IT supports, fuels, drives businesses in their respective industries.
2: So I'd say we're, we're already in a different place. I mean, if you think about the, the history of IT, not to go back too far, but there, it wasn't too, much, too long ago when IT was still in that mode of the business defines requirements and they come to IT when they have something specific, a particular business challenge or um, really detailed requirements of exactly what they needed and, IT takes it and they fill the order and hand it off. We've moved well p- past that. Um, I think the age of the customer was a big instigator of that. We just got to a world where that didn't suffice. You had to move too fast. Um, innovation was too fast. And so that's when we were in that kind of co-creation mode, right, of 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 business leaders, technology leaders needing to sit side by side, talk about what challenges are happening in the business, but also then what's possible with technology and create these new innovations. Um, So that is, I would say, kind of the present of the way most organizations are operating today. Um, But what's changing is that that pace of change is just continuing to increase over and over and over. The disruptive nature of the technology is increasing over and over and over, and so even that isn't sufficing and we see we see indications of that we see things like CEOs naming chief digital officers because even when we're co-creating, it's really not working well. So maybe it's the person and maybe we need a new, completely new, different skill set. Um, just completely different ways of operating and a lot more, I would say, trial and error of different ways to operate to see if they can get there faster and find some sort of uh, differentiating aspect of, of the technology they're implementing.
0: So we started in a place where the business-led and IT-supported were now at a place where they co-create in part because just the insatiable appetite of consumers for digital, the expectations for digital. How would you frame where we are right now?
2: I think that, I, I think that that's probably true, right? If you think of DevOps, Agile, co-creation, that is the world we live in. Um, I think most organizations have moved well past that, receiving requirements and are pretty much operating in that way as a norm. Yeah. Um, and it's better, but it's not sufficient for the future
3: yeah what's really driven it um, is is this you know we came out of a world where we at least understood a uh, point of uh, of tension as as consumers and customers had more you know, technology in their pockets and than, than, you know than, than companies could really uh, support. Um, you know so there was a, a huge gap there, which led towards um, uh, you know the uh, you know, th- uh, disruptive companies coming in, and it also led towards a great focus on digital transformation. And then you just have this explosion of automation. So now you're, you're talking about machine learning. You're talking about uh, taking your business to a, the algorithmic level. So this has uh, created even a a greater force of innovation, uh, environment, um, you know, on companies. Um, so as we'll talk about later, it's 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 creating a different environment for the IT organization field.
0: So there's now the the famous comment by Jeff Immelt about you know G is going to become a software company. This is not digital for digital sake. This is a appropriate response to drivers outside the market, both customer and competitive to operate differently within the means of the current business. That's the, that's sort of DevOps right now.
2: I think that's right. Um, that said, um, I think we're quickly moving to a world where I would never say we're doing, we should be doing digital for digital sake, but to some degree we do have to innovate, experiment with technology for technology's sake. Because it's the only way that you can actually take advantage of that technology fast enough to keep up with the rapid pace of today.
1: Or know what it can potentially be doing for your business, right?
2: Yeah, instead of, it's just flipping it, right? right? Instead of starting with the business challenge or the problem and trying to figure out which technologies could help here, it's investigating this whole new technology. Take blockchain, take all of the automation technologies, take even AI, but look at it, understand what it can do, and then start identifying patterns of what kind of business challenges could this have the most impact on, that's where you start getting real big returns from technology.
1: But that's very different than even like how Forrester has been advising firms, right? Like start with the customer need or business need and build out your use case from there.
2: It, it is. It's. A, it sounds pretty... Um, controversial and it is in a lot of ways because we I think so many of us that have grown up in the technology space, we have that ingrained principle in us that right. you never do technology for technology's sake. And we're saying that you actually do need to now. That said, it has to be rooted in a really deep understanding of your customers or who you want your customers to be. That cannot be thrown out the window.
3: And we've been saying for years, don't throw technology at the problem. And we've seen so many companies get into trouble doing that. But now it's 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 really quite the opposite. I mean, you have to have people that can uh, peel uh, the covers of the technology and understand them, understand what the potential is, but also understand what what is practical. You know, what 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 are the um, automation and digitization uh, building blocks that we can you know, deploy in a roadmap that will get us to the right place? We've embraced the waterfall model, so you start with understanding the requirements, um, and you um, even as you move to agile, it, it's and, and broke. The understanding and the development into uh, discrete components that lowered risk and allowed allowed more innovation and change. You still were starting with the idea of uh, the requirements and 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 uh, um, you know and, you know. But now the sort of latent demand uh, profile uh, of what automation can offer um, is is something that requires this blended understanding of the technology and the business.
0: There has been a conversation in Marketplace for a while that some traditional firms have had a failure of imagination because they're confined to what they know, what got them successful, what the leaders are comfortable with, all that sorts of stuff. And I think what you guys are pointing at is that technologies like blockchain, like AI, like machine learning, open up a whole new set of possibles that sort of drive a different form of imagination. I mean, I think that's kind of a little bit what you're pointing at, which is, Technology shouldn't be there for its own purposes, per se, but it does massively widen the aperture of what is possible for a firm to do in service of its customers.
3: yeah, you know it's uh, you know I hate to quote uh, you know zuckerberg, but his his uh, line was, uh, you know if you're not breaking things, you're not moving fast enough. You know this is the attitude of the current generation of technology um, companies uh, that are have to experiment because things are moving so quickly. And it's the attitude that we will have to be adopted by business to be competitive. Um, now, this will get into what, what does this mean for an IT organization that now has uh, both more federation in, in that understanding of the uh, technology and the business um, and, you know, a faster pace, which which fundamentally changes how an IT organization needs to operate. You have a much more uh, emphasis on, on very specific control frameworks and, uh, and aspects and attributes that are absolutely become critical but still allow uh, the pace of innovation to occur either within IT or or outside in the business, where it's most likely to occur.
0: So we've been in an environment that I'll broadly call DevOps. We're pointing at a set of things that compel us to think of a different time and place for the future of IT. And beyond this podcast, Forrester will be looking hard at how this plays out, what it all means, and the details of it, and subsequent research and other types of pieces. Could you guys give us a sense of this future that you're, you're pointing at? What are some of the attributes? What, what does it look like, feel like?
2: Yeah, I think it feels more like an immersive experience or, or IT becomes more immersive in the organization, put it that way. It's, um, I think it just makes sense. It's sort of common sense to all of us that IT is not a separate thing. Technology is not a separate thing in organizations, and it, it can't stand that way going forward, it has to become part of the DNA. Um, so how do you structure that? How do you op- make that operate in an, in an organization? And I think it really comes down to the idea of moving into a world where IT isn't completely out at the edges and doesn't dissolve, it doesn't go away, but it's orchestrated in a way where there's a kind of a common core to it and gets set things like frameworks and guidance and governance and so forth, um, security, things of that nature. And then also has a big federated portion of it that is immersed in the business. Um, And I think it's important to say at this point that that's not necessarily a brand new idea. But one of the things that I think makes this be the time where that could be reality is that so many organizations are rethinking the design of their organization to begin with. To operate in much more of a matrixed, as we've called in the past, shape-shifting kind of organization where teams spin up and spin down and it's much more flexible. So that combined with just the, the straight up need to be more adaptive and immersive in your technology and, and experimental with your technology, you put those two together together. Now the time's right to do that and to take action on that and make that real.
0: So it's, it's a very different way of thinking of technology, a different role of technology, but you're pointing a very different structural orientation towards IT as a function altogether. It's not a, it's not a standalone. It's not other. That's right.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, traditional organizations, you know, have been built more in a pyramid fashion, and this gets to how IT is going to have to change to support a very different organization. IT is, you know, essentially. Um, a support organization. Now we're talking about it getting ingrained and immersed in the business, and that's going to change it. But think of it this way. You have a, um, a pyramid-based um, uh, structure that can, companies have used forever to build. You had lower paid people on the bottom of the pyramid. You had the more senior people at the top. So now think of not so much the triangle or the pyramid, but think of a diamond where the bottoms of the former triangle are replaced by two things. You know, One is a talent economy. You know, one is an economy that um, is going to provide you the needed the skills uh, that will that'll meet the gaps that you're going to have in things like data science and machine learning and so forth. And the other piece of the triangle on the right side is really automation. Uh, it's digital workforce uh, built with robotic process automation. It's machine learning, you know, based uh, chatbots that are interacting with customers. So the traditional organization and IT support of that is going to have to change radically. Know, to support uh, both the, the way the organization's all, all augmented by, by automation, you know, and the way it's starting to leverage um, or really uh, make seamless um, to, to a large degree uh, people that are uh, actually uh, owned by the corporation as workers or those that are coming from a, you know, a talent economy. So, that, you know, all of this and it's, you know, automation at the center of it is really going to restructure companies. And by extension I'm going to research for the IT organizations that support them.
1: So in this new scenario or potential scenario moving forward, what happens to the CIO or tech leadership?
2: My opinion on this one is that despite the fact that IT becomes immersed in the organization, you could you could um translate that as, well, IT goes away, and so you don't really need a CIO. I don't think that's the case at all. Um, In fact, I actually think this will expand the remit of a CIO. Um, It it doesn't change, and we've seen this over and over, the fact that you need a stable core, you need a stable foundation. This is where we've seen people trip up in terms of their digital transformations is they didn't have that core. Um, and at the same time, they still now they need to be managing this kind of creative, experimental, very adaptive organization and be a great leader that's okay with some of their people not reporting directly to them and it's being out in the stuff. field. And yeah. The list has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, but the coordination of that is also, or the required coordination of that goes up. So I think it expands the remit of the CIO. Um, it also, though, expands... The the kind of personas of CIOs that will be out there, because I don't I mean, we're 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 describing a unicorn. I mean, that's a really hard person to find. And so then I think what will happen is you'll get CIOs that are really good at some piece of that and then but be very strong leaders who can then build their leadership team and cast it in a way where they have folks that have all those different types of skills and can be responsible for different pieces of it. So I think it ups the ante for CIOs, but we're going to see a lot of different types of CIOs. And
0: you're making an important distinction in the concept of federation. You're not saying that IT will be subsumed by the business. No. You're saying I, the, the role of technology will be organic to the business. That's right. And that orchestration of technology that's now part and parcel of products and experiences the CIO running a more matrix structure is going to have to have substantially greater
2: influence, capabilities, um, ability to lead without a direct structure, um, all of those things, which is, again, it's just another thing that you add to the list that we're saying. Now they've got to be this amazing leader, which is hard to find to begin with. So yeah, the the demands go up.
3: Yeah, it's a big change. I mean, the you know, with uh, just the uh, acceleration of cloud, a lot of the uh, core and commodity functions that CIOs were hired to make sure worked um, are now moving to service level agreements. At the same time, the uh, demands of uh, coordination uh, across uh, different business units uh, that um, are really occurring because of the the need for uh, the business really to, um, to to blend the technology more directly into their intellectual property, um, and you uh, know the role of, of CIOs, the different personas. Uh, there'll be CIOs that will be within those businesses. Um, there will be CIOs that will be uh, have a more central role. It may not even be called technology management, but their role will be to provide um, subject matter expertise uh, for for deep areas. Um, their function will be to provide a um, you know you need a you still need adults in the room. You still need a control framework that um, will, will validate an automation or, a, or any innovation, not just automation that comes from the business before it goes into production. It still has to work. It still has to uh, deal with the security issues, um, which are getting more and more interesting as we develop more advanced forms of automation. Uh, They're gonna be black box issues, explainability issues That the, you know, there, there should be expertise in that centralized function to really understand uh, someone to be able to interact uh, with compliance and legal and explain how this how this works. You don't want to have, you know, ten different uh, roles in the organization that are doing that. It makes sense to centralize these control elements uh, in in a, um, a very high functioning organization. But it's going to change the skills that um, the traditional CIO um, organization will will need: more general management skills, more people skills, more what I'd call cross domain coordination <laughs> skills. Uh, will be uh, the essence of of that
2: rule. And orchestration and vendor management, right? If we're talking about this world where you're bringing in expertise from the outside, maybe from the talent or gig economy, but also from third-party services, there's a big orchestration piece of this that we need from CIOs.
0: So in our 2019 predictions, we said generally that in 2017 and 18 there were some fairly big ambitions for how to change the nature of organizations related to digital transformation or CX or, or otherwise. That in 2019, that there's going to be more of a, a pragmatism, more of a sort of a steady progress, bringing down, as an example, technical debt, data debt, building an infrastructure that can serve the future that you're describing. Would you say that 2019, therefore, is a stepping stone, a decelerant to, how do you frame 19 as it relates to this, this more ambitious version of a company and the role of technology?
2: Yeah, I think that there'll be much more of an emphasis and we see this in our data, there'll be much more of an emphasis on that foundation. and I think that's a good thing. Um, it's not necessarily the thing that that um, is as visible <laughs> as many CIOs might like in terms of the immediate results of that. But they've stubbed their toes in a big way by not addressing that in the, um, in the past. So we're seeing more uh, investment dollars being geared towards changing up the foundation or at least building out the capabilities around that. If you think of like an API structure and so forth so that they can have more of that agility and flexibility and adaptability going forward. So I think we'll see that we'll see more emphasis on you know back office technologies um, to create an amazing customer experience. That's still priority number one. but to do that in a way that's differentiated often means you have to tie all the way back through the core of your technology stack. Um, And I think 2019 is a year that uh, CIOs and their teams are going to kind of bite the bullet and make that happen in a lot of way too. So I don't know that 2019 will be the year that we see these amazing new immersive IT organizations pop up on the scene. I think we'll see a lot of setting the stage for that in 2019 and hopefully advance further in further years.
0: So building a better engine to drive a very different kind of car.
1: That's right. Yeah. I mean, what is the time horizon you're thinking for this scenario?
2: You know, I I I think some of it depends on the economy, to be honest, um, although that could go either way. Sometimes that's a forcing mechanism, right, to do something very, very different. Um, and I think that that's what will happen. I, I think this is a, probably over the next five, could be even further years, because we were talking about an org change, talent swap out. And it's so, I think Craig mentioned this earlier, it's so tied to a change of organizational design for the entire organization. So, Um, The CIO can't wake up one day and say, I want to completely change the way IT operates without getting the buy-in and getting everybody on board um, across the executive team and across the company that that's the way that they want to work. That takes some time.
0: Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is there's already a large-scale conversation about the Amazon effect, that companies are being sort of pushed into a corner because a firm is doing it differently. I kind of, I think of this sort of a, a fits and starts types of evolution where enough companies do it that puts the other companies playing defense in the market and they sort of lose their choices. They sort of, they may not want to, but if the other companies are operating differently and better, the competitive pressures will, will force the hand whether they want it or not. Absolutely. You brought up the concept of adaptability. There's been a lot of conversations about agility, which sometimes is a, 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 a measure of speed. But your comment about adaptability is different than speed. It includes the concept of speed, but it's broader. Could you kind of go through that a little bit as it relates to the future of IT?
2: Yeah, I think adaptability, this gets a little bit back to my comments about the foundation, too. This is the ability to have that innate flexibility to change on a dime, and, and that requires... Changes in the foundation of your technology, your technology stack, having less technical debt, but then also the operations um, and how the way your organization works on a daily basis. Um, So not just be able to move fast – but make decisions in a way that sets you up to be able to change very quickly over time.
0: So launching new products, entering different markets, not just observe the adjacencies, but able to pursue the adjacencies quickly.
2: And be comfortable in that. You know, this is a big people issue. Um, A lot of people, most people are not adaptive to change. So this gets at, you know, really taking a, a holistic view of who you've got on staff in IT. Those should be change agents, not folks that are hindering change in the organization.
0: Craig, the role of automation is is talked about quite a bit right now, and it, it has an inherent future speak to it. How would you see a far-reaching example of the use of automation robots in the context of doing business?
3: I mean, we've had very low, low productivity enhancement over the past, uh, really since 2008, uh, to 1.5%. And, um, and we're at a point where... Um, you know, we're, we're going to invest in automation to really get productivity up. And, of course, the impending recession, whether it happens, when it happens, and so forth, is going to accelerate that. So, um, you know, I think of this in, in the context of the previous comments on adaptability. It's almost like burstability. You know, it's the ability to um, break out of your existing um, company and organizational and technology structure to be able to go get the automation you need um to to um, you know uh, uh, you know access um, and deploy uh, a digital workforce uh, to be able to leverage the latest um, um, innovations in in ai and in the cloud platforms. and on the other side, being able to uh, burst out of your uh, you know hired talent um, and and look for um, you know talent from your partner ecosystems uh, from your um, you know, from the talent economy to be able to augment your projects to get things done so quickly. So it's it's really this uh, amoebic kind of company that has to develop. You know, maybe I've, I've seen saw too many Star Trek episodes growing up, but uh, you know, you have this flexibility in expanding and expanding, and 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 we'll see this as the recession really builds. Um, you know, that there'll be uh, more. You know, companies will will have to expand and contract their shape and do this more more smoothly and seamlessly. And IT plays a huge role in, in the technology systems um, that that uh, don't exist today to really do that. Um, it's not smooth at all. So IT has a tremendous um, uh, challenge uh, to create the kind of um, internal flexibility and in systems to, to to support where the world's gonna go. And, that, and automation is going to drive it there.
0: So let's visit the what does it mean to the different constituents that are participating in this. And let's start a little bit with, at the senior most levels, the CEO and the board that have to allow for, champion, or be zealots for this kind of change?
2: Yeah, I think it's a critical piece of this. Um, you know, any kind of change or, or way of thinking about technology in the organization has to start at the top. Sounds so cliche, but it's true. Um, and it's not going to happen overnight either. Um, I think you'll probably see some swap-outs of board members. There'll be changes there, right, to, to really – Emphasize this. Be okay with, quite frankly, not every single IT investment to have a very hard ROI. Um, have the ability to look at IT and those investments with more of a creative eye and with more of a um, our perspective of looking at it as a, almost an insurance policy for the future. Um, you have to invest in some of these things, some of which will not pan out, and that's fine. But if you're not constantly investing and evaluating future technologies and so forth, you're kind of automatically saying that then you don't care about your future. It's something you just have to do. And and that perspective is very different than the way many organizations are run at the top today.
3: You know, it was very amusing about a year ago when uh, Zuckerberg uh, testified in front of Congress about the data breaches at uh, Facebook. And he looked out at the... Um, you know at, at the assembled uh, leaders, and no one had any idea what he was talking about. This was uh, the, the biggest takeaway for me. I mean, they were all um, you know they were they were aged, mostly male, mostly white, they didn't really understand the social media at all. Um, you know and so how are um, they going to be able to develop the right policies to deal with data privacy? So the same questions we have to ask to um, our corporations today and to the boards that make them up. Uh, we, you know, we need a much better blend of entrepreneurial um, advocacy on the boards of these companies because technology is becoming so important. Um, so I think that's a change you're going to start to see. You're going to start to see, um, you know, more more tech savvy uh, entrepreneurs coming onto these boards that understand how you how important it is to to re envision the business from a uh, A blend and immersion of technology and the core intellectual property that may have grown the business but may not be um, acceptable for where the business has to go.
1: Sharon, you had mentioned investment and sort of this insurance policy thought process, but what does that do to the budgeting of of technology?
2: Well, what it does do is it, it, it Ups the requirement for it to be much more fluid, um, which is not often a comfortable thing to, to say or accept in an organization. Um, you know, the budget allocations, things are going to change. This is the case for companies across the board, not just for technology, but technology is a big aspect of it. Um, because we're talking about a world where you're experimenting with technology to stay ahead. Some things are going to work. Some things aren't. Um, you're going to try things for a quarter and then decide, nope, we're scrapping that or completely change um, change directions. Um, if you're on just a straight-up annual budgeting cycle, it doesn't really work with that. So I think this will be a catalyst for some more sort of ongoing adaptive budgeting processes as well.
0: So, Craig, you mentioned the concept of productivity earlier you know one could argue that this kind of structural change this kind of budgeting processes as you described Sharon the CFO would be resistant to nervous about but the other argument would be that this is the best using your your words the best insurance policy for protecting existing revenues and share of market being able to grow revenues at the same time having a very different formula to create margin expansion i mean this is there's a financial There's a crass financial argument for this that the CFO also can champion.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean... (laughs) CFOs often get a bad rap in this, right? We, yeah, like, I
0: said the word crass. I shouldn't have. I said, should have said pragmatic.
2: <laughs> well, honestly, there's there's also a, a, there's sort of a myth out there that if you know the CIO is reporting to the CFO, I mean, forget it. They have no voice. It's actually not true. It's more about who's sitting in those chairs than what the title is of the person. So, I think um, you're absolutely right, Victor. If if you've got a CFO who sees the opportunity here, I mean. If, if you're doing more ongoing and fluid budgeting, then you also get to scrap the mistakes faster. <laughs> um, so there's, you know, there's that aspect, too. There's a lot of pluses here, but it's it's another one of those items that you have to chalk up to a strong partnership at the leadership team to make happen across the organiza- organization, not just within IT.
0: So now I want to talk about probably the people we've been talking about this whole podcast, which is the folks that are currently residing in IT or wish to have long and successful careers in IT. What does it look like for them?
2: It depends on who they are, right? I think it's going to depend on the person. In some cases, this is going to be fantastic Um, because there's more opportunity they can change they can build new skills very quickly if we extrapolate a little bit on on the gig economy or the talent economy um, they could choose to work for a company or they could choose to be more freelance and get lots of different um, opportunities be able to uh, build their skills very quickly I mean this could be fantastic now of course for for those that we think of as our sort of old-minded character of uh, the IT person from the 80s or 90s or whatever, uh, this doesn't really work for them. So I think it depends on, on which IT persona we're talking about, and there's a lot of them out there.
3: The one thing I'd like to add to that you know, in terms of the anxiety and, and insecurity of the position, um, as companies embrace this multiple persona model that um, you know, our, our piece on this will, will give some guidance on, um, it 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 gives the uh, existing IT um, you know managers and executives a, a feeling that this is where we're going. You know that there's not going to be some great layoff and someone else is going to come in. That um, you know that there's just a different operating model for IT within the organization. So that's why we really um, you know recommend companies embrace um, this more uh, federated, more immersive, more multiple persona model of where of where IT is going.
0: As we've gone through this podcast, it has struck me that this whole conversation is at one time both revolutionary yet fully expected. We've seen sort of the clouds amassing on the horizon. We've seen some of the indicators. We've acknowledged some of the structural considerations that we knew had to get addressed. And 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 in parallel, all these new technologies offering up a fundamentally d- different set of possibilities. Uh, starting with you, Craig, what's in your head about what the future of IT looks like and feels like
3: well it's very simple um to think about it in this way. That automation's advancing at a certain rate. That the way to leverage it and understand how to exploit it a company is going to be with the business. The business understands the human worker, they will understand how to build digital workers, they understand the core intellectual property of the business, which will get translated to machine learning and algorithms. So when you view that, if you accept that as a premise, which we do, then that fundamentally changes uh, the support that's required from various technology personas within the organization. They may all have titles that say CIO, uh, but it's going to change the traditional uh, centralized organization into one of uh, support or uh, advice for subject matter expertise And importantly, to be the adult in the room, to have the necessary control frameworks that will deal with data privacy, uh, that will deal with security, that will deal with business continuity, that will deal with uh, the API and the connectedness and the cloud support that's uh, required. So fundamentally, there's going to be this shift. And organizations that uh, understand it, uh, they can plan for it better and reduce um, the uh, friction within the organization.
0: And Sharon, could you paint the picture that's in your head?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's the idea that IT skills, technology skills are sort of unlocked from this, but has traditionally been a pretty centrally controlled organization or unleashed in a way that was not done um, with a lot of thought, right, in an unsecure way or what have you. So. I think of it as truly that, immersive technology, technology becoming immersed in the business and more importantly, out closer to the customers. But the innovation happens out closer to the uh, customers and we start to get much more innovation, much more rapid innovation. And at the same time, making the job of being in IT a lot more fun.
0: Thank you both for your time today, Craig and Sharon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Master Tech-Driven Innovation at Forrester's Digital Transformation 2019 Forum in Chicago on May 14th and 15th. Join our analysts and over 700 business technology leaders to hear the trends and challenges that you will face in the coming year. For more information and to reserve your seat, visit forcom DT2019. That's forr.com slash DT2019. Thanks for listening. Thank you.